Reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. Someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. Then I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. What will you eat? Or about your body, what you will wear? There's more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silo or barn, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than birds. Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, how much more will God do for you? You people of weak faith, don't chase after what you will eat and what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourselves wallets that don't wear out, a treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near there, and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. Thanks, Phil. My name is Scott. I am the leadership pastor here at Trinity. And before we get started, let's pray together. God, thank you for this day and for the opportunity to learn about you so that we can know you more and love you more. 
May uh, this time, as we come before um, up from, for your Holy Spirit, before your word, be a time of open hearts, minds, and souls. Amen. Amen. Today's sermon is about money. So Megan made me preach it because she has to preach most of the time, and she wants you to like her. Um, the, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, this is actually a big topic for Luke, um, and so eventually we were going to have to do it or ignore a lot of what Jesus said. We decided it's not a good look to ignore a lot of what Jesus says. So we've decided to talk about it. Money is, uh, is, a, is a huge part of our life. It's every single day. It's actually most of the moments of our day, even if when we don't realize it. It, in, it is part of how we engage the world at all times, even if we don't want to talk about it with one another. Uh, most cultures do have some sort of taboo around talking about money. Uh, some, some are really big, some are small. But no matter how much they don't want to talk about it, it shapes everyday life. I have this story um, that a friend told me. They were hosting a group of people at their house, um, and they had made themselves a giant pot of soup. Now, soup is a good idea because this was uh, someone who had just graduated college and had a lot of student loans, and food was expensive. So make a big pot of soup. You can feed some people. You can have a bunch of soup left over for food for a week. It was a wonderful idea, right? Brilliant. Everyone is hanging out, having a good time, eating their soup. But these are very conscious people. They're aware that waste can ruin life. So at the end of the evening, one of the people in the room gathers all of the bowls from everyone, takes them into the kitchen, and the friend's thinking, well, how kind, they're going to wash my dishes. And instead, the person proceeds to take each bowl of soup and dump them back into the pot, what was left over from every individual at the party, and that person who's hosting, my friend, is just watching in horror as every bowl gets poured in, her mouth drops more and more open, because reality sets in. Her fear of waste was just as high as theirs. She's going to have to eat the soup. <laughs> so the next day, she stares at this pot of soup, which is now the pot of like eight people's soup, and she pours herself a bowl, and between bouts of gagging, <laughs> eats a bowl of soup. Eight other people have licked. <laughs> now, here is where the tension lies. Eventually, our view of money comes to a point of, of different values clashing into one another, and that is about the sound of soup splashing into a sink as she poured out the rest because she couldn't stomach it. You engage with your view of money just the same way. Now, maybe it's not that you eat the soup that people pour into, uh, into the communal pot. But whether or not you eat the soup says a lot about how you view money. Whether or not you pour your soup back into someone else's pot shows a lot about what you think about money. In today's scripture, we have this image of, of kind of two ways of thinking that are actually the same way of thinking with different outcomes. That's confusing. That's confusing, I know, but I'm going to explain it to you. 
The first is the image of the well-invested man. This person invested well uh, with, with, with crops and was obviously um, stable, well-off, so much so built a new um, storehouse for all of, his, all of his crops and figured he'd live the rest of his life in luxury. But it was a very short luxury. The next image, then, is of someone who was afraid of, of danger in the world. Right? So the first one is self-gratification and greed. That's a warning for those who primarily seek self-satisfaction. But the second one is someone who is hoarding for a different reason, self-protection. The second one is a reminder that God cares for you far more than the birds of the sky, far more than the flowers of the field. Why are you so scared? So we have two images of people gathering onto resources for the power the resources have, and producing a kind of flawed thinking. This is, this is, these are mirror images of gathering for a purpose, but overdoing it and harming ourselves in the process. So the first is self-indulgence, but starts probably with a desire to just enjoy life and not be miserable, and leads to self-indulgence. The second is self-protection, but starts with not wanting to be stupid about money right? And wasteful. And leads to a fear and a place that God won't be there for for them. Now, neither of these are true. That you can either gather enough stuff to be satisfied or that you can gather enough stuff to be safe. Neither of these are true. And the cure to that mistake for both of them, it's actually quite simple. It's Jesus' curious statement. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've told you this story before. It's a really famous story. Uh, the story of the grandfather explaining life to his grandson, where he says there are two wolves inside you. You've probably heard this, that there are two wolves inside you. And they're fighting for your life. And the grandson says, well, which one's going to win? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. And it's a, it's a great teaching. And it fits perfectly with what Jesus is saying here. But it is in direct opposition to how we actually think about money most times. We think that if we care about something, we will invest We think that if we care, we will invest. That's only true at the beginning, right? That's only true for a little bit. It turns out if we invest, we will care. Here's what I mean, right? When it comes to something like your kid's school or someone else's kid's school, right? When they come up to you, when a kid comes up to you and wants to sell you a candy bar for a dollar, Are you giving that dollar because you are desperate to fund that school and you think that dollar is going to save the day? Most likely, that investment right there is not a reflection of that, but a reflection of the fact that there's a cute kid right there that you don't want to disappoint. Now, more importantly, though, what happens if if they convince you that that candy bar is worth $200,000 and you give it to them? What are the chances you're going to care about the school after that? 
Well, but it's not just schools, right? Um, it's when we donate to organizations we care about, when we contribute to the church. Look, here's the thing I like to point out to people all the time about what shows the difference between investing and where our heart goes is the gym. Now, I don't know if you know this, but millions of Americans own gym memberships. And if the fact that we give the gym money shows that's where our heart is, I think we might be a fitter society. I, in terms of money, that's where we'd be. In fact, here's what we know. The majority of people who own gym memberships never go to the gym. Literally the majority never go. Now, if you're feeling guilty about it, don't worry. I don't care about your gym membership. But I'm just saying that's the truth. Never, ever go. And the business around the gym is built for it. They sell more memberships than could possibly be there. In fact, if everyone who had a membership showed up at the gym, they wouldn't be able to fit you in there. That is the structure. So I don't think that just because we spent the money that that means that that's where our heart is. But what, what gym memberships have shown us is the exact opposite is also true. See, researchers have studied how the cost of the gym impacts you actually attending. The average person goes to the gym or sorry, the average person pays about $30 a month for a gym membership, okay? That's the average gym membership. And if they increase the costs at interval levels, an equal amount of participation goes up. So you double the cost, people go twice as much. Several gyms have, have got nearly 100% attendance of members. Nearly 100% attendance of members because they charge a lot. And then they charge you if you miss a session. So you don't show up, they get more money. Benefits them, and you show up more. It's an amazing, simple truth to us. The more we spend, the more we end up caring. And that's not just money, though money is an easy example of it. The more we spend with our life, the more we end up caring. The more we pour into anything, the more we end up caring. Now, a spark, right, a desire for something is definitely how we get started with spending some money. But in the long run, our time, our investment feeds one of those wolves, and the wolf you feed will grow. So, the next half of the sermon is just how to properly feed a wolf. It's a practical sermon that says where your heart will be, there, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If your money's there, your heart will go. So, Three steps to properly feed a financial wolf. First one, be honest. Now, that's a general life rule, but when it comes to money, we are liars. We lie to ourselves over and over and over and over again. Lying to yourself mostly only hurts you. It hurts other people too, but mostly... It only hurts you. Lying to yourself about your money only hurts you. It stops you from being and doing the things you actually want. And it keeps you in a state that you don't want to be in. Here's the question you would need to ask if you want to stop lying to yourself. Who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? And then the second question is this. 
How would that person spend their money? Who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? And how would that person spend their money? All right, so um, when, when, I was, uh, when I was listening to a, a, a leader in, uh, in churches, it doesn't really matter exactly, but he gave this phrase on how he would make decisions. And he said, when I can't figure out what to do, when I'm confused or uncertain, I ask myself, what would a great leader do? And I thought, that's dumb. Like, that's not figuring things out. Why would you ever use that tool? So later on in life, after having heard this, I was in a difficult situation in the church, didn't know what to do, and I asked myself, what would a great leader do? And it wasn't what I was doing. And it helped. It turns out asking honestly the questions about how you would evaluate others will help you because you're better at evaluating others because they're not there to lie to you, right? We can actually do that better and more honestly than we evaluate ourselves. So ask the question of what person do I want to be and what, how would that person spend their money? Now, here's the thing. In order to do this, real practical here, you need to know where you spend your money. So um, I, would, I would ask that you do a full audit. Now, you may or may not do this. I understand why you won't. But I can tell you I've convinced several people not only to do a full audit, but to continue a full audit forever. So it's doable. Here's what I would say. Start with tracking everything for at least six, six weeks. Start with tracking everything you spend on for at least six weeks. Honestly, do it for three months and you're in a much better spot. But at least six weeks. All right, at least six weeks. Look at where all of your money goes. And then ask about that money. What is it showing where you, of where you are? What is that money showing about where you are? But more importantly, start asking, what does that, that track record of money show where you're going? Right? If, if the question is, how does my investment change me? Then how we spend our money is not just a reflection of where we're at, but where we're going. Where we, do, where we put our investments now will show where we're going in the future. So look at that as a map on that trajectory. Next, so let's be honest. Checking that out and being honest about where you're going and whether or not it reflects where you want to go is going to be the first step. Then secondly is going to be saving and spending with a purpose. I only include saving and spending because really all versions of handling your money in life can come down to those two things. There are ways to think about it bigger than that, but that's basically it when I talk to people. Save and spend in this scenario. For a purpose. Here's the thing. I, uh, I know a woman. Um, I know many women, actually. But um, <laughs> I know one woman in particular who I um, was helping figure out some of her finances. And <laughs> she was a saver. She had a stable, good job, um, and she had saved two years' worth of income. She had saved two years' worth of her income. Okay? She saved nearly half of her paycheck every single time it came in. All right? Now, I asked her, because like, this, this is a lot. Someone like that doesn't usually say, like, I need help with my money. 
But she was having trouble buying groceries because she saved nearly half of her money. So I asked her why, and she says, well, this is her answer, right? Well, for a rainy day. And I said, how many rainy days are you expecting? Are we talking Noah-like flood here? What is the purpose? What are you aiming toward? Why? And it turns out, like many people, there was no purpose. It was an unending goal. She could never achieve it. She could spend her whole life looking at it, and it would just be out there forever. And it was always going to terrify her. It would always terrify her. It was a monster with no face around every corner, and it was super quiet, so she was always afraid. This woman needed to have some sense of what she could save toward. Here's the thing. She is the person who's worried when she looks out at the world, just like the people that Jesus was talking about. She was never going to have enough saved. The other scenario, so saving toward an actual end is one thing. Spending toward a purpose as well. We tend to think that we, okay, saving toward a purpose makes sense, but spending is just what you do with what's left over, and that's not true. We can spend toward a purpose as well. Use your money to get you where you want to go. Whenever I think about that question again, what would a great leader do? I am reminded that I need to ask that directly about my spending. What would the person that I want to be spend their money on? So when I'm stuck, when I am in a state of emotional insecurity, of confusion, of general fear, that is a powerful question for how I spend my money because otherwise I spend it in ways that I'll regret, wastefully. Ask yourself that question. If you want to be someone who's generous, ask the question, what would a generous person spend their money on? What would a thoughtful person spend their money on? How would a hopeful person spend their money? Where would a loving person spend their time? When it comes to what you invest in the world, asking the question of the type of person you want to be will change everything. Now, I can, I can feel like the concern here. This can feel really onerous. This can feel like a big, big weight to try and balance all of that all the time. The reality is, is that you're not going to be able to do it. So take it one step at a time. Really, don't try to become the generous, loving, hopeful, kind-hearted person that you are not today in an instant. You'll fail miserably, and everyone around you will think that something has gone wrong. But you can start today by asking just the careful question of how can I spend my money, my time, my resources, my focus in a way that's more hopeful today in a way that's more loving today. And in those bits and in those moments, it shapes you as you invest. I know this because you're already the result of what you've invested in before and what you spent on before this time. And the last one is the most important of all. So the first one is to be honest, the second one is to save and spend for a purpose, and the last one is to commit to dividend investments. Now, on the financial side of things, the 
dividends are essentially just getting some money back. Okay, we'll just put it that way, getting some money back. A dividend investment says that there's a company out there that you gave money to that as it makes money, it gives some back to the people who partially own the company. Let's put it that way, all right? And that's, a, that's one strategy for financial investment in things like the stock market. But it's actually more important that dividend investments happen in your whole life. If you invest in people, in community, in God's kingdom, in the church, in family, in friends, what's happening there is that you are joining other people to produce a bigger outcome than you could have by yourself, and you get dividends. There is a return that isn't always seen on some of these things right away. They are long-term investments. This is part of what Jesus is saying, that we invest for, the, for eternity. But there's also just simply the investment in what happens when you say, you matter to me, and I'm going to be there for you right now. And it turns out 20 years from now, that moment I was here for you now changed your life, but it took 20 years to do it. And that's the investment of dividends that you may not see because they may not come back to you, but they go out to the world. They go out in God's kingdom in massive returns. I myself am doing ministry because I had a youth minister who was willing to pour in huge amounts of time when my life was difficult and when I showed some desire to serve God's kingdom. The amount that you can invest in other people, in the church, in the community, and in the world for God's kingdom returns with massive dividends. And that investment cannot be beaten by anything else that the stock market can throw your way. So I know of a guy who was terrible with money. I'm not going to name him. Don't worry. I know of a guy who was terrible with money, okay? But he loved people very, very much. So he regularly gave away the money that he earned and just kept trying to earn as much as he could, which was never very much because he didn't, he didn't make the steps, take the steps necessary to ever earn very much. But he just kept giving it away. He had no life insurance. He had very little um, savings that he ever had. But he cared about people and invested constantly in them. And he died tragically and suddenly. His family was quite uncertain about what to do next. He had two little kids and a wife left behind. They didn't have much money there, but it turns out what they had was hundreds of people that this person had impacted directly. So they decided to basically say, his investment in us was huge. What can we do? So they held two fundraisers, okay? Two fundraisers. And the first one was a celebration. The first one was a celebration. It turns out at this fundraiser, when, they, when everyone got there, they were planning to give money for the family, right? And they said, no money. This is a fundraiser for the homeless shelter that this man constantly served at. That's what this fundraiser is about, okay? At that fundraiser, they raised $10,000 for the homeless shelter. 
They said, we're going to have another one, though, next week, and it's going to be for this family. So they had another fundraiser. First one, $10,000 for the homeless shelter. The next week, this information got out to the people of the homeless shelter and the, the, the network of homeless shelters, and over 1,500 people showed up for the fundraiser. They ran out of food, and people kept walking through the line, and they handed them plastic forks when they gave their donation because that's all they could offer them back because there was no more food, and they raised over $100,000 for the family. When we invest in what God is doing in the world, it comes back in dividends. I can't tell you that that's going to happen for all of you. But I can tell you that God is doing that in the world. God's kingdom is bigger and better than we can imagine and more powerful the more we invest and feel it. See, here's the thing. The story about the wolf, it doesn't end with what I told you. Because the grandfather keeps talking to the grandson. It's not just the two wolves are fighting and you decide which one to feed. Grandfather says, look, if you only feed one, it'll get fat and lazy. And the other one, it'll be starving and hungry and try to seek out the fat one and devour it. What you do is you feed carefully, create a balance, So that instead of surviving, the wolves can thrive together. Listen, when it comes to investments, you may hear me saying that, or you may think I'm saying, well, join this guy who didn't ever have life insurance. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy the little things in life. Honestly, I don't believe that at all. If you feed the wolves properly, not too much, not too little, they can thrive together. Look, Here's the thing. You can still have your Dutch Brothers or Starbucks, okay? You can throw a bone to the Dutch Brothers wolf. Just don't let it get fat. That's the rule. That's how it works. That's how you invest properly. Money brings many helpful things to our life. Fearing it, treating it like poison, it will not only turn that into poison for you, but you'll become the person who pours soup into someone else's food for the week. But embracing money thoughtlessly will will give greed a growing power over your life, and greed is a powerful wolf when overfed. God wants more for you than to live in fear or to live in greed or to live in shame of money or to live in flaunting your wealth. God wants your heart And that requires an investment over time. And as you become invested in God's kingdom, that kingdom will grow inside of you. And the people around you, the community around you, the world around you, you will become more invested as well. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to serve your kingdom in the ways you've given us. May we have the strength to be honest with ourselves. May we have the tenacity to spend and save in ways that honor your kingdom and build up the world that you're trying to create. May we have the wisdom 
to invest in the things that bring life. We trust that you see more than we can, so we ask that you would help guide us along this path. Amen.